welcome to the Healthcare IT Today interview series. We feel lucky to be able to talk to so many smart, passionate, and knowledgeable people in healthcare. Now, we're taking our favorite interviews and sharing them with you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy perspectives on the world of health IT. Hi, I'm Colin Hung with Healthcare IT Today, where we explore the latest technology trends and interesting stories in health IT. Today, I'm here at the Collision Conference in Toronto, and I'm about to speak with Dr. Alika Lafontaine, who's the president of the Canadian Medical Association. We're gonna talk about Indigenous health and what kind of technologies we can use to improve access to care overall. Dr. Alika Lafontaine, welcome to the program. Yeah, thanks for having me, glad to connect. So, recently I watched a fireside chat, which was excellent, on the CMA website, where you talked about culturally safe care. Can you describe what that means? We sometimes overcomplicate culturally safe care. At the end of the day, it's really being able to sit down across from your doctor and expect that you won't feel hostility towards them, that when you're interacting and exchanging information, they'll believe you that when you're provided different options for your care, like always exist regardless of what the problem is, that you'll get the same and similar types of options as everybody else. And so I, I think culturally safe care at its core is really having a relationship where you connect with the person across and they're not projecting onto you things that act as barriers to you actually accessing good care. I think one of the things you said that struck a chord with me was that you don't want to be on the defensive. You don't want to have yeah. as a patient to be defending your, uh, what you're saying or having to defend that you actually are injured or have an illness, which is sometimes what's happening in the indigenous population, as I understand it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it's, there's a burden that patients have to carry when it comes to getting access to care in Canada and elsewhere in the world. You know, they have to come into places that are unfamiliar, explain their situation, and hope that the person across from them believes them enough to help them navigate through the healthcare system. And I, I think that that's something that has to change for all patients. but especially when it comes to Indigenous patients, other patients of color who are racialized, or those who experience things like sexism or classism or all those other isms, um, that, that's a burden that feels heavier every time you have to go round and round. And so, you know, if we really want to improve the care of folks who are falling behind as far as disparities, a big part of it is just making that burden lighter. Well, and another uh, way to, to, to kind of alleviate the problem, of course, is is improving access to care in the first place. Because in this country and countries around the world, access to care has now become such a big challenge. Absolutely. What are some of the ways that maybe the CMA is working on trying to improve access to care overall? So access to care in today's environment is constrained by a few things. So we know that there's not enough healthcare providers to go around. And we know that in places where there might be enough, they're not distributed in the way that provides the best type of access to patients. And so we have to rethink, I think, three things. We have to rethink the way that we train and supply people. You know, and sometimes that's thinking far out into the future. You know, it takes four years for someone to go to medical school, another two to five for them to do a residency. And then if they go on and do additional training, even longer, right? And so there's kind of thinking about that. The second part is actually providing care. So how can we provide care in a way that lets me maximize the amount of value that I can give you as a provider? As an anesthesiologist, you know, what's the value that I provide? I deal with pain control and labor and other places. I put people to sleep for surgeries, you know, so how can I do most of that? And part of that is redistributing the way that clinical work is done, maybe bringing more members of the team who do other things that I would normally do, but someone else could do. And then the third part is just making sure that we keep people in the system. So, you know, we hear burnout all the time. At right. the end of the day, it comes down to healthy working environments, 
you know, at the end of the day, do you feel like you made a difference? And like, you can come back and go through that again. Actually, let me, let me dive in a little bit on that. You talked yeah. about it. We talked about it walking over here. Yeah. Healthy working environments mm -hmm. and supportive working environments. What does that actually look like for a physician in, here in Canada? So we know what it doesn't look like. Okay. It doesn't look like work longer and work harder when you're already maximized for your bandwidth. Right? We, we know that people are leaving medicine at a high enough rate that it's causing problems. And we know that lots of folks are reconsidering whether or not this is a job that they want to do long term. And so how do you get people to stay in environments where they have value? I think one of them is making sure that why they came into the profession is the reason why uh, they continue to practice. So it's helping people, right? You want to walk away at the end of your day and feel like I made a difference in right. this person's life, right? And so I, I think that that's a big part of it. The other parts of it are things that anyone can expect for their job. You know, making sure that you get paid reasonably, that you can take vacation when, you know, you'd normally take vacation, not working 80 hours a week when everyone else is working 40, you know, not having to take home paperwork as a family physician often does, working another three hours in the evening, trying to either finish off your day or get prepared for the next day. And we're, we're getting better at talking about these things. I think we just assume that people were either getting lazy or <laughs> that the, the burnout itself was making them slow down. When in reality, I, I think we structured our healthcare in a way that it put a lot of weight on a single person's shoulder. And we just waited for that person to break before cycling through with a new person. And you know, healthy working environments are, are environments where you can still be stressed out, but still feel like you wanna come back again the next day. Right, yeah. right. It's not about, it's not about uh, eliminating all the stress of being yeah. a physician. Mm -hmm. It's about eliminating all the stuff that probably bothers them the most. A lot of administrative work, workflows, and those kinds of things. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important to recognize that it's not the absence of stress that makes the work environment safe or healthy. It's being able to manage that stress. Right. You know, and I think one thing that you've noticed with physicians and healthcare providers, a lot of the social cohesion of our communities has kind of fallen apart. You know, finding a lounge where health workers can go and you know, have lunch or other things so they can meet each other. You know, in new system design, all that's getting smaller and smaller and kind of getting pushed to the side. You know, how can we redesign things so we can think about people and building community again? And, you know, it's stuff that intuitively as people, like we all recognize how to build that. And is there any technology that can help uh, with all of this? Yeah, I think the technology that helps people understand each other and provides data at the point of decision-making that guides to like more people-centered systems. You know, we have great systems for identifying how fast things go through the system or how much they cost, right? But we have terrible systems to identify when someone has been on call for seven days and now can't stay awake while at work. We have terrible systems for being able to identify that once someone's child graduates high school, they always had planned to move to a different community or a bigger center. And so I, I think systems that solve those human problems, there, there's a lot of value there. And I'm seeing more and more tech entrepreneurs remembering like the human side. It's not tech that fixes the problem, it's the people that use the tech that fixes the problem. I love that. You yeah. said you just said that up on stage there where healthcare itself is still a people-based business or people's-based yeah. operation. And mm -hmm. so the technology has to help the people deliver yeah. better care, not deliver the care itself. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So is there any technology that's exciting you right now out there in the world? <laughs> you know, there, there's there's a few different companies out there that are trying to link people to places of work that they maybe would enjoy more. You know, I, I think that there's also other technologies that 
are collecting information about burnout in ways that we didn't before, qualitative information versus just, you know, your road, how many hours have you worked, et cetera. These platforms where healthcare providers can discuss information in an open way um, and not feel like there's gonna be retaliation. I mean, everyone needs a place to talk about how bad things are in healthcare. And things are pretty dire right now, but it's in the talking about them that provides us the space to fix things. And more and more, it's harder to find those spaces. So tech that enables that, I think is really exciting. Um, and then things that help patients understand how to navigate the system. You know, I, I imagine that as a patient, walking through, you know, 10 different doors and not getting what you need through any one of the 10, why can't we design software that enables you to find what you need faster? And so any type of software that kind of falls in that area, I, I think is really, really exciting. Can't leave without asking you this question. What can we do as individuals, as physicians, as clinicians, to help create the world that you've been talking about, about culturally safe care and care that you feel makes you feel supported? What can we do on a day-to-day -day basis to get us closer there? Yeah, I think the most important part is being part of conversations, right? If you look at where healthcare really fell off the rails over the last few years, it's because people stopped talking to each other. You know, in COVID, one of the most dangerous parts of those really intense waves was having people make decisions in closed rooms and then just expecting everyone to go along with it. You know, and it makes sense when you're in a crisis situation. We all remember the first wave when people were literally dying, you know, at rates that had never been seen before right. or since in that wave. Um, and so being a part of that conversation, sharing your story, you know, as a patient, if you're having problems accessing care, like get your story out there. Social media is designed in a way that if you share it in a compelling way, and you can use a lot of different tools to learn how to do that, your story will be heard. Same thing for providers. Any any change that we see in the healthcare system right now, it all comes down to stories and people being part of the conversation. I love it. Yeah. Dr. Dr. LaFontaine, where can people go to find more information about the Canadian Medical Association? Yeah, so please go to cma.ca. You can learn about the Canadian Medical Association in our 155 year history. You can learn about the priorities that we're focused on right now, things like decreasing administrative burden, you know, making sure that we move towards Pan-Canadian licensure along with a list of a lot of other things. And uh, just be a part of the conversation. If you see me on Twitter or other places, reach out. I, I always try and connect. Awesome. Dr. LaFontaine, thank you so much for being on our program today. All right. Thanks for having me. This has been Colin Hung for Healthcare IT Today. Thanks for watching. And if you like this interview, go check out more at healthcareittoday.com. I'm Colin Hung. We'll catch you on the next video.